Today's scripture reading comes from Micah chapter 7, verses 18 to 20, and can be found on page 859 in your pew Bibles. Who is a God like you, removing iniquity and passing over rebellion for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not hold on to his anger forever because he delights in faithful love. He will again have compassion on us. He will vanquish our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show loyalty to Jacob and faithful love to Abraham as you swore to our fathers from days long ago. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Am I supposed to start now? Yeah. Okay, I thought so. <laughs> Just making sure. <laughs> Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, Hey, it's a joy to be able to worship here today. Thanks so much to the worship team for leading us this morning. My name is Ben, if I haven't met you before, and I've been involved here at Philpot, involved as a student intern here throughout my school year this year, uh, just doing various different things here around the church. And uh, yeah, such a joy uh, to be able to share this morning and to be able to, uh, yeah, to share from you all up here. Now this morning we're continuing our sermon series that we started last week uh, titled Habits of Grace. And in this series, um, as some of you know, we're in this season of Lent right now, uh, this season that kind of leads up to Easter. And during the season of Lent, it's often a, a time where, where people have, been, Christians historically have engaged in, in different spiritual practices uh, to intentionally uh, just be formed by Jesus and to experience more of God's renewing work in their lives. So that's kind of what we're looking at uh, in this series is, is various different spiritual disciplines or practices uh, where we can experience God's work of, of forming us more and more into the image of Christ. Now, throughout this series, uh, we'll be looking at practices related to God's voice, God's ear, and God's body. Those are kind of the three categories that we're kind of looking at. And I'll let the other, uh, other speakers talk about the latter of those two categories. But today, we're going to focus on practices related to hearing God's voice. And so the title of my sermon this morning is Hear His Voice. And uh, as, I, as I say that, I know when we think about hearing God's voice, a lot of different things might come to mind. Uh, we might have questions in our, in our heads about, well, what does it mean to hear God's voice? How can I know that God is speaking to me? Um, you know, there's lots of stuff that we could explore around that. Um, but today what we're really going to focus on is spiritual practices related to hearing God's voice through Scripture. So we're going to look at a few different practices Uh, But before we do that, I'm just going to take a brief moment uh, just to pray right now. Lord God, we thank you so much for this day, Lord, for this opportunity we have to be gathered, uh, to be able to worship you, to be able to hear from you. And I pray that today as we talk about the Bible and as we explore various spiritual practices related to hearing from you through Scripture, Lord, that you might uh, be speaking to us and that you might highlight to us things that maybe you would want us to try to implement into our lives, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that most of us would agree that communication is fairly vital to relationships. 
J.I. Packer, he writes about this in his book, Knowing God. He says that we can only truly get to know another person if that person is willing to reveal themselves to us. We can only truly get to know another person if that person is willing to communicate to us who they are. Now, of course, we could ask questions and, and show interest in another person's life, but we can only really get to know them if they, if they tell us who they are. And so us being able to get, another, get to know another person largely depends on them and not only on us. Now, J.I. Packer shares this illustration that, that I think is worth sharing. He says, uh, now imagine that you meet someone of, you know, very, very high standing. You know, the, the example he gives is, is, say, you meet the Queen of England. You know, maybe for some of us, we can think of, um, you know, some other person of, of high standing that maybe we look up to or admire. Uh, maybe it's a musician or an athlete or, um, I don't know, maybe some sort of a political figure. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, but yeah, think of, you know, some sort of a person of, of high standing that you admire. And J.I. Packer says that, you know, if we were to meet that person, uh, we, we probably wouldn't really expect much in terms of relationship, you know, if we met them, we, we would love to get to know them. We would love for them to be able to, you know, for, for them to relate to us personally and, 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 and tell us, you know, what they really think about things and, and tell us who they really are. But, um, but there's a good chance that that wouldn't happen. When we're in, in the presence of a person of really high standing, you know, there's a good chance they're just going to kind of treat us with mere formalities and just kind of go through the motions of kind of what they're supposed to do when they relate to someone who's not, you know, so to speak, at their level. And so we don't really, it's not like we really, you know, deserve to have that person as, as our friend. You know, we might, we might love for that to happen, but we don't, it's not like we really have any claim on their friendship. It's not like we deserve to have them, you know, tell us who they really are and invite us into a friendship. But he says, now imagine that that person does take you in. And they actually do communicate to you deeply. They, 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 they actually tell you what's really on their minds. They actually tell you who they truly are. And then say that that person does invite you into a friendship. And say they invite you into actually participating in what they're doing. And then they ask you to make themselves, or to make yourself, sorry, to, to make yourself permanently available to them. And he says, if that were to happen, everything would change. You know, if, if life seemed unimportant before that, it wouldn't seem that way anymore. And that is exactly what God has done. The God of the whole universe, the God who rules and reigns over all, the God who is of a far higher uh, position of status than we are, that God has chosen to communicate with us. He has not just treated us with mere formalities, but he has actually revealed his very heart to us, He's revealed his very self to us. He's chosen to reveal himself to us, beings who are so, so lowly and in comparison to who he is. Perhaps we have no right to actually know or even really to know anything about God, but God has chosen to reveal himself, and that changes everything. Now, how has God communicated to us? 
How has he communicated to us? Now, I'm sure there's, there's lots of us who can tell, you know, maybe different stories of how we've sensed God speaking to us in, in different ways in our lives. Um, now, I firmly believe that the Holy Spirit does continue to speak to people today and that we can have a, a living and dynamic relationship with God where, where he does communicate to us in, in, in various ways. Um, but if we want to understand how God has communicated to us in a bit more of an objective fashion, I think that it's helpful to think in terms of the, the concept of, of the Word of God. Now, when we think about the Word of God, I think for, for many of us, our, our first you know, instinctual thought is the Bible. And uh, the Bible is certainly the Word of God, but I, I would just encourage us to broaden our understanding of the Word of God a little bit right now. Theologian and biblical scholar Michael Byrd, he, he writes that the Word of God actually exists in three different forms. First of all, he says there's the, the eternal Word of God, who is, who is Jesus Christ himself. Uh, he, and, and of course, you know, we, we read in, in, in John 1 about how, you know, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And then in verse 14, it says, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So Jesus, the eternal Word of God, that's, that's one of the forms of, of, of the, the Word of God. The second way that Bird understands the Word of God is in reference to the, the spoken Word of God. And he says that there's the spoken Word of God that, that, that occurs in the Bible, both for admonishing God's people Israel throughout the Old Testament, and then there's the spoken Word of the Gospel in the New Testament. So in, in the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, you see there's, there's, there's the prophets who, uh, you know, they hear from God and then they, they speak the word of God to people. Uh, if you're reading the New Testament, if you read, say, the book of Acts, you'll read about the, the apostles uh, sharing the word of God. And, and in that context, it's that they're, they're communicating the gospel message. And as, as the apostles share the gospel message, God himself, God's message is being is being communicated. God himself is communicating. And then the third way that Bird says that we can understand the word of God is according is, is the Bible itself. He says the, you know, the Bible as in, in the, the Old and New Testaments, um, the, the written word of God, that is also the word of God. So according to Bird, the, the word of God is more than just the Bible, although it certainly includes the Bible. And I must say that I think one of the reasons why, you know, why do we actually read the Bible? Well, I think, you know, one reason why we should read the Bible is because without the Bible today, we really don't really have access to know a whole lot about the, the eternal word of God, Jesus. You know, we, we learn about Jesus as we read the Bible. Uh, we also wouldn't really, have, wouldn't really have a clear understanding of what the gospel is if we didn't have the Bible, which gives us access to know, you know, the message of the gospel so obviously that makes engaging with the Bible important. But not only that, um, but here's the thing. The Bible itself is also God's very word. And so as we read the Bible, as we engage with the Bible, uh, we are also able to hear God's voice. The Bible is the most concrete and solid thing through which we can hear God's voice today. One of the key texts that Christians often look at to form our understanding of Scripture is from 2 Timothy chapter 3. In this text, we discover what Scripture actually claims about itself. Paul writes, he says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, 
so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, there's a few different observations that we could make from this text right here. Uh, This text claims that Scripture is useful for a number of purposes, teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. It also says that that Scripture equips us, that that it's given so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. But the thing that's especially for us to see right now is that Scripture itself claims to be God-breathed. Some translations will say inspired by God. What that means is that, uh, that, that, the, that in the Bible, we actually, we actually hear God's voice, that God himself has actually spoken these words. Of course, there's, there's a human element to the Bible as well. There's different human authors who, who wrote these words. But at the same time, there's this capital A author uh, who is behind it. John Frame, he defines the Bible as God's powerful, authoritative self-expression. And so as we engage with Scripture, we are hearing the voice of God himself. So today we're going to look at three different ways of engaging with Scripture now. Uh, we're going to look at so yeah, three, three ways of engaging with Scripture. We're going to look at study, we're going to look at memorization, and then we're going to look at meditation. And then toward the end of our, of our time here, we're going to get engaged in a little bit of an exercise that has to do with meditating on Scripture. Um, so I hope, I hope you all are up for that. It won't be, too, it won't be anything too crazy, I, I promise. Um, but uh, yeah, that's kind of where we're going today. So first of all, study. So the primary aim of, of studying the Bible, as I see it, is to understand God's voice. When we study the Bible, we live out the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. We engage our minds and we seek to understand what the scriptures say. David Mathis, he offers a helpful illustration as he compares Bible reading with Bible study. He says, Bible reading is like raking, whereas study is like digging. Now, obviously, I mean, raking is important. Um, you know, if you, if you have a home and, and you have trees in your yard, um, you know, you would know that in the fall, it's pretty important to rake those leaves up. Uh, so raking is definitely, it's definitely important. Uh, but raking doesn't quite require the same kind of, you know, strenuous effort as, as digging does. And, and, and at the same time, you know, raking is not able to, to renovate a whole yard, but, but when we start digging, we actually, we actually can. Um, now, I think, you know, Bible reading itself, you know, is obviously a very important uh, spiritual discipline. Some of us, we might have, uh, like, a Bible reading plan that, that we work through. Uh, you know, maybe for some of you, um, maybe, maybe for some of you, you, you try to read through the whole entire Bible in a year or, or something like that. I think that doing, doing that kind of practice is, is a very meaningful uh, spiritual discipline. But it's not quite the same as studying Scripture. I think we find a great example of people who were committed studiers of the Bible in Acts 17. You know, in Acts 17, we read of, of Paul and Silas going to this place called Berea, and there they, they meet these, they, they go to the Jewish synagogue, they, they share the gospel message there, and we read this about the Berean Jews. It says that they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. 
the Berean Jews examined the scriptures. In other words, they investigated, they studied, they dug into the scriptures. And as a, as a result, the text says that many of us, many of them uh, actually came to believe. They came to accept Paul's message after going through that process. And so perhaps I think, you know, here we might see one good reason to study scripture. When we study scripture, we can better evaluate different ideas that we hear. You know, there's lots of different messages that we hear in our, in our world today, lots of different ideas that we are probably presented with all the time. And, and when, we're stu- when, we, when we become people who are studiers of Scripture, we can, we can better evaluate those things that we hear. So how do we do it? How do we study the Bible? And we could probably do a whole workshop on that question, and I definitely do not have time to get into this uh, too, too much today. Um, But I think that engaging with the Bible through study uh, essentially involves two things. It involves asking questions, and then it involves seeking to find answers to those questions. So maybe after reading a passage of Scripture, you know, we might stop and we might start asking questions. Okay, where does, where does this passage, you know, fit in, in this book? Um, you know, what, what comes before this passage? What comes after this passage that might help, to help us to discern its meaning? Then we might ask historical questions as well. We might ask questions like, okay, well, who wrote this book? And who did they write it to? And, and what was their purpose in writing this book? We might also then ask, ask content questions. And, and initial questions might, might be things like, what genre are we reading? We might ask, okay, well, what's, what seems to be going on in this text? Who are, who are the key individuals? What, what are the key words? What are the main points that are being made here? Other questions might include questions like, what does this text teach us about God? What does it teach us about ourselves? Are there, any, are there any commands in the text that we need to obey? Are there any promises that we need to claim? So those would just be maybe some questions that we could ask of a biblical text when we, when we dive in. And then as we ask questions of the text, the next step then is to try to find answers to those questions. And sometimes we might ask a question of a text, and and the answer might be right there in the text. It might be fairly straightforward and obvious to us and apparent to us. Other times, maybe not quite so much. Other times, maybe we need to consult maybe a a study Bible or a a commentary or some other resource, something like that, to to help us out. One resource that I have found uh, particularly helpful, uh, especially for those who aren't maybe quite as experienced with Bible study, is something called the Bible Project. So it's up on the screen here. So you could look this up later, maybe, if, if you wanted to. Um, the Bible Project, there's these, these two guys, and they've created all these different videos where they, uh, on various different things. But, but for one thing, I, what I've found has been really helpful is, is the videos that they have where they, they give these introductions to, to books of the Bible. And they, have, and they do it all in this very, um, you know, this, this very graphic kind of artistic kind of form, so it's very engaging. So, you know, if you're a person who's not extremely you know, doesn't like to read and read and read and read a whole lot, you know, maybe something like this would be a helpful resource to just kind of facilitate uh, that, that process of, of studying the Bible. Now, obviously, there's a whole lot more I could say about studying the Bible and how to study the Bible. Uh, but maybe, yeah, some of, us, some of that might just give us a little bit of a place to kind of jump off from. So that's study. 
that's all I'm going to say on that. Um, and we're going to move on now to our second spiritual practice related to engaging with Scripture this morning. And that's memorization. So we talked about, you know, study as being that the aim is to understand the voice of God. Memorization, what I'll say, that the, the aim here is to, to carry God's voice with us. Now, to some of us, maybe scripture memorization seems fairly unnecessary today. You know, I think many of us have, have Bible apps on our phones, and in a moment, we can look up any text of scripture, and it's right there for us. It's definitely very different than, you know, how things have been for people uh, in, in, you know, throughout human history, um, but that's where we are today. Uh, now, in that sense, yeah, maybe it doesn't seem extremely important, um, but I do think that there are, there are many significant benefits to this practice of, of memorizing Scripture. One of the biblical texts that comes to mind when I think about memorization is Psalm 119.11. Here, the psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so perhaps one of the benefits of memorizing Scripture is that it can help us in our, in our battle against temptation. And it seems to me like this is, this is what happens with, with Jesus as he's, as he's tested in the wilderness by, by Satan, and he, and he quotes Scripture back to, to Satan in order to, uh, you know, to, to stand firm and to resist temptation. I've found that this, is, this has been a helpful practice for me. Uh, one, of the, one of the texts that I often look to is, is, or that I recall to my mind is 1 Timothy 6.11, which just says, But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And for me, sometimes in those moments of, of temptation, I'll just recall that scripture to mind, and I've, I've found that to be helpful for me. You know, I think there's many other great benefits to Scripture memorization as well. You know, but in the big picture, when, when we memorize Scripture, you know, what, what we're engaging in is, is we're just saturating our minds with, with God's voice. And I think that that is just such a, that, that can have such a, a transformative effect on us. So how do we do it? How do we memorize Scripture I'm sure there are lots of different ways to do this. Uh, maybe some of you could teach me different ways that you've done this in the past. Um, I know, you know some people, sometimes they, they talk about carrying around flashcards with them, uh, of, of having a, a verse or two maybe in their pocket, and maybe they'll look at that kind of throughout the day. Um, and another thing maybe we could do is just to have a, a, a text of Scripture, you know, right on the lock screen of our phones. And then every time we look at our phone, you know, we see that verse. For me, as I've sought to memorize Scripture, I've found just the most important thing is, is just to keep going back to the text and just to recite it over to myself a few times. And then to, to revisit it again later and do the same thing and revisit it again later and do the same thing. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll, I'll memorize maybe a verse or two and then after I kind of have those ones figured out, then I might memorize you know, the next verse or two that kind of come after that in the passage. And, and through that, I, I've been able to, to memorize some longer passages of Scripture as well. Another thing that, that, I, that I used to do, I used to work at a, at a golf course and for about an hour, hour and a half, usually toward the end of my shift, I, I had to drive around the course in, in, a, in a golf cart, um, and, and I, I would pick up all the garbage that was left on the course throughout the day and clean up the washrooms and do all this stuff. Fairly monotonous kind of work. 
Um, and, and during that time, I would just recite uh, some of the scriptures that I was trying to memorize. And then I'd usually fumble up a little bit. And then what I'd do is I'd, I'd put my, my audio Bible on in my, ear, in my earbuds, and I'd listen to the text, and I'd, and I'd speak the words as I was hearing it and see if I could anticipate what, what was coming next. So that's some of what I've done uh, to try to memorize Scripture. Um, now, I don't know what, what your experience has been uh, with Scripture memorization. Maybe this is something that, for some of us, we, we did as kids and we were introduced to it, but it's not something that we've done as much uh, since then. And, you know, for some of us, maybe this has been a really meaningful practice. For others of us, you know, maybe it's felt like more of a, a burdensome kind of a task. But perhaps this is a spiritual discipline uh, that God would invite some of us to engage in uh, through this season of Lent. You know, maybe there's just Maybe there's one short passage of Scripture that's been meaningful to you. And, and maybe you could consider just taking maybe a few minutes every day and just looking at that text and, and working on trying to get it to really stick in your mind. Maybe that's something that, that, that you would want to try if, if you sense God prompting you to do that. And in the process, you know, you might find that you experience God's work of, of shaping and forming you in a new way. That's about all I'm going to say on memorization. And, and the thing is, memorization and study, these two things we've, we've talked about, the thing that they have in common is that they're both primarily focused on our, on our minds. But if we're honest, you know, having Scripture embedded in our minds, you know, knowing more Scripture, all that kind of stuff, I mean, it's great, but sometimes, I mean, it, it doesn't automatically lead to life change. And so that's why our third practice this morning is really important. So now we're going to talk about the third practice, meditation. Now, what's meditation all about? I'll just say right up front, I think when we hear that word, we, some of us might have different ideas that come to our, in, into our minds. You know. Sometimes we think about meditation as, as you know, having to do with you know, Eastern religions, having to do with Buddhism, or maybe like New Age spirituality. Uh, but those forms of meditation are really about emptying the mind. And, and Christian meditation is actually the opposite of that. Christian meditation is about filling the mind and then allowing the things that we fill our minds with to then take root in us and to deeply impact us. And the aim of meditation, as I'm going to say it here, is, is to allow God's voice to penetrate deeply into our lives. Joyce Huggett, she writes, we meditate to give God's words the opportunity to penetrate not just our minds, but our emotions, the places where we hurt, and our will, the place where we make choices and decisions. So meditation on Scripture, it involves engaging our whole selves with God's inspired word. And this practice is certainly not foreign to Christianity, as I mentioned. I just, there's a, a few texts we can just look at really briefly here that, that, that refer to meditation uh, in, in the Bible. So in Psalm 1, uh, we read, uh, Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. I don't know if there's the next slide up there, if it works out. Um, yeah, Psalm 119 is another text that... Uh, that there's many, many references to meditation in, in this psalm. Here's just a couple. Uh, the psalmist says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your decrees. And he says, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. 
Now, what does it actually look like to meditate on Scripture? As I was just kind of trying to explore this a little bit, uh, what, what I discovered is that there, there's two different Hebrew words that are often, uh, that are often translated meditation in our, in our English Bibles. And I might be wrong on this because I'm not a Hebrew scholar. Maybe Kevin would know better than me or someone else. Uh, but uh, the t- two different words uh, that, that are often translated meditation, uh, the first of this um, means to, to mutter or to murmur. And so the idea there is that as we, we meditate on Scripture, you know, we, we just, we mull over those words that we read, and, and, and we just, we mull over them again and again in our, in our heads. The, the, the second of, of the words means something more along the lines of to muse, or to ponder, or to reflect. And so the idea conveyed by this word seems to be that, you know, meditation could be this act of, of thinking and, and pondering on, on, on a scriptural text that, that we engage with. And I wonder if both of these aspects might possibly be included as part of Christian meditation. You know, meditation, you know, maybe it involves just, just reading a, a, a short passage of scripture and just mulling over just maybe one verse or one phrase even, maybe even just one word. Um, and maybe it could also involve more of a, a reflection process. You know, maybe it's more, it could be something where we engage in that process of, of Bible study, where we engage with the text and we, and we ask the text questions and we try to understand what it means. And then after that, we engage in this process of, of meditating on what we've discovered and allowing that to, to change us and, and, to, and to ponder and reflect on that and, that, and, and allow that to maybe just, uh, just have us imagine things and, and, and shape us in that way. I'm sure there's lots of different forms that meditation on Scripture uh, might take, but I think the most important thing about meditation is just that we slow down. We slow down and we listen in the text to hear God's voice. And on that, now we're going to transition into this exercise that I mentioned that we were going to try to do today. Some of us have probably heard of the, the practice of Lectio Divina. Maybe not. Um, Lectio Divina, it, it's a Latin phrase that means divine reading. I was first introduced to this practice a few years ago, and I've found it's been meaningful for me. And what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to try to teach you all something that someone else once taught me, and we'll see how this goes, all right? Does that work? So I'll just get a, I'm going to give... Um, yeah, I'm going to explain what we're going to do. So if you have um, a pew Bible in front of you, I'd invite you to grab it. And open it up to Mark chapter 10, and we'll look at verses 13 to 16. There's no reason why we're looking at this passage other than I came across it the other day and I thought it was an interesting passage. So we're going to just look at this passage. So, um, so if you have your pew Bibles, open up there. Um, and the reason why I say the pew Bibles is because if you have it in that translation, it might be helpful for this exercise. So what we're going to do is, is, first of all, First of all, I'm just going to briefly read a line from from Psalm 37. And as I do that, uh, if you're comfortable, I would invite you to close your eyes. And we're just going to take a moment, not not right now, but in a moment. um, Close your eyes and and just take a moment to just kind of calm and quiet your heart. And then after that, 
I'm going to turn to that text in Mark 10. And again, you can keep your eyes closed if, if you're comfortable with that. And, and, we'll, and, and I'll, I'm going to slowly read through that text. And as I read through that text, I just invite you to just listen for a word or maybe a phrase or an idea that just kind of sticks out to you. Maybe you can just kind of ponder on that. And then after that, uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to come off the stage, and we're going to take two minutes, and what we can all do is then look at that text uh, just on our own, and just slowly read through that text on our own, and again, just listening for any word or any phrase that might stand out to us. And then just take a moment to just to just mull that over in your head maybe, or to just ponder on maybe what God might be trying to say to you through that. And again, if 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 you, if, so the text we're going to look at is is Mark 10, 13 to 16, if you didn't catch that. So this time, though, I'm just going to read from Psalm 37. And yeah, if you're comfortable with just closing your eyes, uh, go ahead and do that. Be silent before the Lord. And wait expectantly for him. Be silent before the Lord. And wait expectantly for him. Be silent before the Lord. And wait expectantly. Be silent before the Lord. And wait Be silent before the Lord. Be silent. Be. And now from Mark 10. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. After taking them in his arms, He laid his hands on them and blessed them. Amen. So now just take two minutes to ponder on that text yourself. Maybe you want to read it in your head or quietly, and then I'll come back up here. Okay, ten more seconds.
All right. Well, how was that? Is that okay? Maybe for some of us, maybe that would be something that we would want to try doing again at some point. I'm just going to finish up now just with a few uh, words and in conclusion, and I'll just invite uh, the worship team to come on back up now too. You know, in John chapter 5, Jesus has this conversation with the Pharisees, and, and he tells them, he says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very words, the very scriptures that testify about me yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Now today, obviously, we've looked at various different practices related to engaging with Scripture and to hearing God's voice uh, in the Bible. But the words of John 5, they they remind us a couple important things. First of all, they, they tell us that, you know, it's possible to know the words of Scripture without actually knowing the person who stands behind those words. And it's possible to, to, to you know, to, to, know, uh, to know a bunch of Scripture in, in, in your head, to, but to not actually know God himself. And, and, and the words of Scripture themselves, Scripture itself, it does not give us eternal life. Only Jesus can do that. Our access to God, our access to a a living, dynamic relationship with Him is not actually primarily made possible through the written Word of God, which is the Bible, uh, but it's made possible through the living Word of God, which is Jesus Christ Himself. It's through God's choice to reveal Himself in the person of Jesus that we can truly know Him and have relationship with Him. More Bible study or memorization or even meditation is not going to make us right before God. Our salvation and our access to know God personally is made possible solely through Jesus' death and resurrection on our behalf. And so as we engage with the Bible, may we do so out of a desire to know that person who stands behind those words that very person who has saved us and redeemed us, may we do so out of a desire to cultivate our relationship with him. Amen. Amen. Okay. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Ben, for sharing God's word with us today. You did well today. And thank you for pointing us to Jesus. And uh, at the end of the service, after we pray now, there'll be people here at the front You'll find some people with a pink lanyard. They're here if you want prayer. So if you're here today and you'd like someone to pray with you, maybe there's a need you want someone to pray with you about, uh, just come to the front after. We'd be glad to pray with you and, and for you. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Um, thank you for how your word, Lord, helps change us and And thank you, Lord, for Ben as he's brought that word to us. We pray for for him and Preeti as they continue to seek your will for for their lives. And so thank you for the gift that they are to us. We pray, Lord, that your word today will continue to uh, do its good work in each of our lives. 
And uh, we pray your continued work in us, Lord. Bless our church, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you'll equip us with every good thing. Lord, that we might do your will. And Lord, that you'll work in us that which is well-pleasing in your sight. And Lord, may you receive all the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, friends.